0: or this week we will talk about Taurus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah!
2: <laughs> we're so psyched to talk, to talk about this movie. <laughs> I, know, I know the listeners are psyched to hear about Taurus. I'm joined by uh, Christian
0: Mag- Manaski. Manaski, I think I got that right. Christian Manaski.
2: Well, yeah, that's that's
3: the only one I've got.
2: (laughs) That's a terrible (laughs) one. Uh,
3: And also,
0: uh, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, do you have a tourist-related tagline for us this week?
2: Yeah, kind of, because there was a trailer for that uh, Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston movie.
0: Uh, She's got to get it.
2: No, uh something wacky's is going to
0: happen. Go with it. Go with it. Get
2: out of here, you. Someone get out of uh,
0: here, you. Right with Adam Sandler and a hot blonde chick and put James it Anderson. put it in you. Uh
2: <laughs> what you got? You got to get and put it in you. <laughs> yeah. get, in, get in there already. You <laughs> it ends okay. with you after that part. <laughs> Um but they're pretending he's they're they're married so he can get laid. Like that's what she's doing. I was wondering while I was watching that preview like which of those two actors is slumming <laughs>
0: Does that also apply to The Tourist? Is that your tourist Uh, headline? I
2: I did. I thought, yeah. All
0: right. Now, before we get too in-depth into The Tourist, Dingus, for people who may not know, why don't you tell us what this movie is?
3: Uh, Okay. This week we saw The Tourist, in case you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, uh, a case of mistaken identity thriller movie directed by... Florian Henkel von Donnersmark.
0: Wait a minute. Do that again, Dingus. Do that again. I know you've been practicing. What's the director's name?
3: Uh, Florian Henkel von Donnersmark.
0: Florian's a girl's name. Not in Germany. Oh. All right. Go ahead, Dingus. Is there anything else we should know about The Tourist? Oh, you should know it stars Johnny
3: Depp. Uh, He's uh, the titular tourist. (laughs) Um, He falls in with an international woman of intrigue played by Angelina Jolie. Also titular. She's also titular, very good. And she tries to make all the cops in the world think that uh, death is her lover, Pierce, who is on the lam after stealing billions of dollars. Now, I'm not going to tell you the rating of this film because Kelly hates that.
2: No, it's all right. I was just Okay, all
3: right. It's PG-13 because of uh, uh, language and smoking. (laughs) Mm.
2: That's not real smoke. (laughs) Ah, good point. Is that really is that really one yeah. of the uh,
0: advisory warnings, Stingus, for smoking? Oh, you know what? There's a bunch of smoking Europeans in it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Yes. Uh,
0: okay. So before we spoil it, if you have not seen the tourist, first of I all,
2: eat everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. First of all, if you have not seen the tourist, congratulations You're on the
2: planet Earth.
0: Oh, spoiler. Uh, okay. So Kelly Wan, take it away.
2: Oh, wait, no, do your disclaimer. No, 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 no. Want...
0: Uh, so if you haven't seen uh-huh. we it... We don't uh, want a lawsuit. Go, go ahead, Kelly So, so why don't you give us
3: a synopsis? This will be spoiler-laden, is what Tom... Was You're
2: doing. just going to talk over my disclaimer, no matter what I do. Get on with it, Mr. Talk. Uh, <clears throat> okay, this is the Turopsis. It's a movie that taps into my glamorous suspicions of math teachers. Um, <clears throat> it's a prequel to Teristas, and it's a romantic movie about a down-to-earth Scotland Yard detective named Angelina Jolie. Wait, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Uh, and she's walking around Venice with a secret smile, and some British cops talking French uh, spying on her from a van cam argue over what is today until their boss tells them to be professional like he is and not wear underwear. And Angelina's meeting a man she's uh, spiritually connected to because he stole a bunch of money from that dude with the mole on his forehead from Beverly Hills cop, uh, Victor Maitland, remember? And she also loves him because he keeps leaving uh, cryptic notes for her like Tom Cruise did under the omelets in Night and Day. And she loves them so much she burns one instead of taking it with her because she knows the only way they'll be able to read it is by using the new burned letter analyzer at police headquarters where she works and <laughs> sees it every day. But it, she does that anyway and hopes they won't think of using it. And she tricks her superiors by running away and being inconspicuous in a crowd of horny Frenchmen <laughs> and getting on a tr- which they didn't know the station was for. And uh, the note she lovingly burned told her to pretend that a dude who's her soulmate's size and build is on the train. Wait. A dude who's her soulmate's size and build on the train is him. She has to pretend that. (laughs) Am I making sense? (laughs) So that everybody will kill that guy instead of the soulmate. So she gets on the train, and every guy on there is the same size and staring at her and wondering whether she's wearing underwear. And uh, one of these hundred guys who all weigh the same is ignoring her and smoking a fake cigarette, just like her soulmate used to, and even knows all the right things to say after she tells him all the right things to say. And so she tells him all the right things to say to get her sexually interested. And she gives him a boat ride and she invites him to her hotel room and she visit him. and then she tells him he's sleeping on the couch. Then on that date, with Tom. <laughs> <clears throat> uh. <laughs> Wait, there's plenty more. Um, and she tells him she still loves the thief because he left her another note inviting her to a ball later because balls are low profile. So he also wrote her not to wear anything too clamorous or provocative. But she's kind of falling for the math teacher's boring dumbness. So she leaves him to get killed by the guy with the mole's Russians. She takes a walk to buy some fruit from a fruit cart. But some hitmen come to kill the math teacher, but he tricks them by running away and falling onto the fruit cart, um, which the Russians have no answer to. So the math teacher knocks a cop into the water by flailing around comically. Uh, So they arrest him, and he asks to see someone non-Italian because he's in Italy. But they put him in jail with a guy banging his head so they can check some facts. And Angelina Jolie tells her cop bosses that she doesn't want anyone to get hurt except for the math teacher, that she's already lured into a death trap free of sex. So the Italian guy handcuffs the math teacher, and he takes him in the dead of night by a gondola to the Russians, but Angelina Jolie had a hunch which gondola he was gonna use and she shows up to save him by dragging him through the water by a rope at uh, five miles an hour while everybody shoots at him. And you find out she's the worst cop ever, so the police buy her a gown and they get her uh, a five thousand dollar hairdo so she can go to the ball and get another dumbass note. Oh, and she tried to Mitch she tried to wait, ditch the math teacher? By using the same rope that she saved him with, but he tricks her by buying a suit with some stolen money, and he knows where the ball is somehow. So he shows up, and he knows how to dance perfectly, so the cops punch him in the stomach, and they handcuff him to a chair in their HQ, so he can interject uh, suggestions and watch stuff on monitors with them and uh, jeopardize their sting from a better vantage. And Angelina Jolie gets captured by the mole guy, and he asks her to tell him where the safe in the room is, or he'll knock over a couple bookcases. And she doesn't, so he knocks them over. So she gives up, and she tells him it's behind the head of Janice, the Roman goddess of wall safes. And he demands the combination from her, but she doesn't know it. So the math teacher shows up because he used a safety pin to pick his handcuffs and cross the 10 miles to the hotel room and sneak in through the ledge outside without the cops, the hotel security guys or the Russians seeing him. he tricks the guy with the mole into threatening to kill both of them which makes angelina mouth that she loves him and he walks in slow motion before anything can happen timothy dalton shows up from somewhere and tells the cops to shoot everybody then the math teacher reveals that he's really been heath ledger all along and just pretended to be a math teacher fuck with the audience he insanely believes is watching his life story He paid some other math teacher to trick the cops by wandering all over Italy and leaving cryptic notes, but to not get shot or caught. And the cops who are watching the hotel room on video surveillance somehow missed this reveal, but it's cool because he left them a rubber check in the safe. So Timothy Dalton says to let Angelina Jolie and the math thief go free since they didn't commit any crimes, except all of them. And they get ready to fuck on a boat to celebrate somehow knowing the cops weren't going to shoot them. The end. (laughs)
0: Sorry.
1: Did you speed up his voice? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not. That was not post-processing. I just want the, want the audience to know that there was no post-processing involved in that. Those were all practical effects. Well done, Kelly Wan.
1: Wow. Uh, I'm done.
0: All right,
2: Dingus. De- I'm spent. Dingus, not that, tourist. Uh, dingus, defend this movie. Yeah, Dingus. You're a tourist.
3: Uh, she. She's pretty.
2: mm She is pretty pretty. Hmm. I meant Johnny Depp, actually. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because the surgery. Uh, Why don't you guys tell
0: me the two writers on this movie? Because I think it's kind of important.
2: Christopher McQuarrie, I was going to lead off with that, too, because it's extremely important, because it's the Oscar-winning screenwriter for The Usual Suspects, which has the same fucking ending. (laughs) This guy won an Oscar (laughs) using this ending, and he's doing it again, and we're watching it.
0: Uh, did Christopher McQuarrie collaborate with anyone for Usual Suspects, or is that all him? Did Brian Singer write any of that, or that's just a Christopher McQuarrie?
2: No, sch- I remember. Okay, it's
3: straight up McQuarrie, I think. Okay, uh,
2: but just Mindy. Okay, Usual Suspects. I haven't seen it for a while, but I remember thinking at the end of it, wait. So if he was lying about a bunch of shit in the coffee cup and all that, like, did everything I just see was it all bullshit? Like, did so any any plot holes I find are irrelevant because they could have been lies. But we don't. Yeah,
0: well, Usual know. Suspects is a little weird because everything we're being told is presumably being imagined by Chaz Palmentary as he's being told this stuff by Verbal Kent. Uh, like, like, the presentation of usual suspects isn't from the audience perspective, it's from Chaz Palmentary's perspective. There's none of that here. Like, this doesn't quite, this does have the little twist ending that brings into doubt everything that you've seen and makes you think back over plot points and what may or may not work. But I don't I think, think it's quite as, oh, good Lord, yeah. Uh, but it's not yeah. quite as manipulative. It doesn't have the out that usual suspects has out, which some people hate. Uh, I, I mean, there are some detractors of that gimmickry in usual suspects. I didn't mind that. Um, so there's oh. a
1: li-
0: so there there's a yeah. little bit of that here. But I, I, you know, this this isn't. I don't I don't think that's the usual suspects thing that, that's going on in uh, the tourists so much as a Hitchcock thing. Like they want some sort of twist or reveal at the at the end.
2: That never happened at the end of a Hitchcock movie. You never find out Cary Grant was really a spy.
0: Come on, you're you're kidding me, right?
2: He was all the everyman. What am I? What am I? Am I kidding? Uh, Vertigo.
0: <laughs> like Vertigo. Doesn't Vertigo have you know you find out?
2: No, oh, that's not a reveal at the end of the movie. Psycho. You find that Psycho. out. Psycho. Like Psycho. Halfway through the movie. You're talking about, I'm talking about an ending. Name an ending. Psycho. Where. Psycho is a tourist ending. You find out
3: <laughs> the birds because you find out the birds were in on it.
0: Well, I'm just um, saying, Kelly. Wan, I don't think that's necessarily. I, I don't think it's Christopher McQuarrie doing the same thing as Usual Suspects. So it, much.
2: Uh, it's pretty similar because it's well, all based on one scene. But the, but, but
3: but no. But this is all based on on a previous thing. So this isn't his. I idea.
2: know. I adaptation. think they saw some studio suit saw the French movie and went, oh, you know what. Chris, you know who would be great to write the American version of this? Oh, Usual okay. suspect guy.
0: Wait a minute, and Dingus, This is based on. This is an adaptation of a French movie. Yeah, like Dinner for Schmucks. Yeah, yeah, yes. No <laughs> like wonder. Every,
3: like that explain
2: that, 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 it's that expl- a French
3: movie called Anthony Zimmer.
2: Yes, with Sophie Marceau as Angelina Jolie in it. Right.
3: Ah, no.
0: Okay, so Julian Fellows, by the way, also has a writing credit on this. He, uh, you know, he does. I think a lot of British TV, respectable stuff. Gosford Park. I, I think he did. With oh yeah, Altman yeah. And, and Bob Balaban. Um, so I, I didn't, a similar. I
2: didn't realize uh
0: I didn't realize though that this was uh, from pre-existing material. So that kind of does explain a lot because I don't see any sign in this movie of what made Christopher McQuarrie's scripts good. And certainly, I don't know enough Julian Fellows beyond Gosford Park, but good lord, I, I just.
2: Okay. This was a troubled production, so. Ah, oh, being... was
0: it, Kelly? One, explain the troubles to me.
2: Uh, get back to me on this.
1: <laughs>
2: I forget. I forget who was in charge because he left. He came back. Hold that thought one sec. All right, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs>
3: well, I was hoping you were but asking him to talk about Ireland for a minute there, and that, I was going to get excited.
0: Talk about Ireland.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't understand what that means. thing is.
2: You told him to explain the troubles. Okay, okay, wait, wait. Okay, check this out. It was supposed to be originally Lassie Halstrom directing. Okay. The guy you made... um. Uh, I Like the uh, Dog, I like Pele the Conqueror. Right. I like the one with Richard Dreyfus. the name I can't remember right now. Always. Oh, do you okay. know what you're talking about? Oh, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> All
0: right, so Lassie Halstrom was originally supposed to do this. Then, got kicked then
2: Barat... Right, then Barat Nalluri came on. Who's that, Tom? That's uh, the, someone you... Yeah. Because you're he's, not a racist.
0: No, he's the guy that Sasha Baron Cohen pretends to be.
2: Okay, good. You're not? Okay, good. Good cred. <laughs> um, then Donner's Mark came on with t- Sam Worthington, and then they both left over creative differences, and then Alfonso Cuaron came in for a day and yawned and left. And then they got <laughs> Donner's Mark again, and then Tom Cruise was going to be in it, and then Sam Worthington came back, and then Johnny Depp replaced Sam Worthington, and Charlize Theron was replaced by Angelina Jolie. So it would have been a Johnny depp Charlie's Theron reunion after Astronaut's Wife. It would have been like that movie. <laughs> but then she's... Never mind.
0: All right, so let's, let's assign... So we, we we got a troubled production. We have the, uh, the director of The Lives of Others, uh, whose name I'm not going to attempt. Dingus, you, you did an admirable job with it. Just Donner's Mark, uh, like Kelly Wand was saying. Uh, we, we have uh, the scriptwriters. We have two very famous, generally very charismatic people. Um, what the hell happened?
2: What went wrong? They all coasted. None of them gave a shit. I was bummed, too, because she, in Salt, she came to play, and in this she didn't seem... She came
3: she... to be worshipped in this. The film and the filmmaker worships her, and and it all runs aground, I think.
2: But she's better than that, isn't she? Hasn't she been good in other movies? Sure, yeah. So Dingus explains... She could
3: have been... Right. It, some of this.
0: So you, you feel... Because I, I don't... I didn't think that there was the least bit worshipful thing about her in this. I didn't think she was that attractive. She looked robotic. She looked plastic. There wasn't, this, there wasn't any sort of spark from her. Uh, so, so, Dingus, explain what, what you mean by that. Cause she did not seem worthy of worship to me in this
3: movie.
2: But you're opposing constantly. Sorry.
3: You're absolutely right when you say the word robotic. And in fact, I wrote that as I was watching it. I wrote, you know, uh, Angeline Jolie. Seems like a robot or a statue, and at least uh, Johnny Depp seems like a real person. And when I say that, I, I don't, I'm not talking about worthy of worship. I'm just saying that the way the filmmaker films her, it seems that he worships her and the film worships her. And, and she's constantly giving these knowing looks to everybody in the entire film, including a band full of people who, who are surveilling her. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's this constant perfume ad. Where, where she's walking through a crowd of people at a ball and everybody in the crowd stops to look at her as if she's Angelina Jolie, the worst undercover agent ever devised by mankind. And the, the thing that's so weird about it is exactly what you say, Tom, is that the object of everyone's worship in this movie becomes a, a mere statue or a robot and becomes so unworthy of worship and so uninteresting that it it becomes it defies understanding as to why this why we should buy this as a character.
0: Uh, I just want to say the perfume ad Dingus that is right on. There's a point in the movie, uh, Dingus. You and I don't watch trailers. Uh, we didn't know much going in except that the writer and the director were. Uh, I had assumed it was going to be a night and day kind of thing, and there was going to be like action and stuff. So the the point in the movie where I thought, oh geez, I'm in, I'm kind of I might be watching like a chick film, and I think Perfumat is a better way to put it. When she goes into the hotel and opens up the closet, and there's all the gowns and jewels, I had this sinking feeling at that point, I don't think I'm going to get an action sequence. <laughs> this movie is about Angelina Jolie dressing up.
3: <laughs> well, what I thought at that exact moment uh, was that the music had so driven me oh. into action at this point, was that... <laughs> I just thought when she opened that, and and it's this glaring gold of outfits and this music, what I thought at that exact moment is, I'm so sick of this pretty woman music, which it it just felt like the entire film was going to be dishing out this pretty woman vibe, and this pretty woman music was driving me crazy. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't know at this point that James Newton Howard had done the music for this movie and pretty woman, but I knew that that's what they were going for here and nothing more. And, you, and it was just, oh, it's just so depressing. Kelly Wand, I want to ask you, how much, one of the one of the
0: few redeeming things about this movie, and I'm curious if this works for you, Kelly Wand, is it makes you appreciate Night and Day that much more. Now, I know, Kelly Wand, oh, yeah. you saw Night and Day, you weren't that into it. You then saw The Killers with, just, uh, mm. with, uh, with, uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh oh Rats the I love her. Uh Kathleen Heigl. Heigl. That made you like Night and
2: Day a yeah, little better. And Tom Selleck is the Russian pervert.
0: Now having seen this, don't you now like Night and Day even more yeah. than
2: you did before? I do. Good. But and this movie's even better than Killers. Maybe. Oh maybe.
0: Uh mm. No. Okay. Now Think here's where I would disagree with you, Kelly Wand. What the because killers you, like Ashton
2: Kutcher in the wrestler movie.
0: <laughs> well, partly. What the well, see, I really like uh, Johnny Depp, and and what the killers has that this movie does not have, and that is crucial for this kind of movie, is some sense of enjoyment and connection and chemistry between the two leads. Catherine Heigl and Ashton Kutcher seem to be really having a good time. They seem to get along. When they were had scenes together in The Killers, as awful as it was, there was some sort of jocularity there. They seemed comfortable with each other. You could buy the attraction. In this movie, there was none of that from either of them. And they're both they're they're both capable of being very good. But it reminded me, Kelly Wand, you and I play a lot of video games, and a lot of times uh, in a video game, <laughs> you don't deny it, Kelly Wand. I don't know what you're talking about. Seen you logging on Battle Net all week. So a lot of times in a video game. For the voiceover yes. stuff, they'll bring in actors separately. Uh, and one actor will come in and do his lines, and then they'll bring in another actor, and he'll do his lines, and they splice them together. There were times that I was watching this movie thinking, you know, it's just like that. It's like they came in on separate days to shoot mm-hmm. their stuff. But they were, double, they were both in the same shot, so that obviously wasn't the way it like worked.
2: Sinatra and Cannonball Run 2, where they did it on a different, in a different state.
0: Or like Alec Guinness in Mute Witness, where they just uh, quickly took a few shots of him on the way to the airport and spliced it into the, the movie. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, that's where I think The Killers beats this movie hand down. I would not. You couldn't pay me in. Well, you know what? For forty bucks, I will sit through this movie again. <laughs> really? I would sit. What a horse. You are a horse. But well, no, no. I've got my price. I would sit through The Killers again for ten bucks.
3: Hmm. How much would That's... you sit through duplicity for? Mm.
0: 30 bucks. I think I would rather sit through okay. duplicity because there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's at least in duplicity this astonishing train wreckness to it about <laughs> how awful Julia Roberts is. And you can see Clive Owen kind of like, this is what I get. Okay, let me see what I can do. That's sort of what's going on in duplicity. This, this movie, The Tourist, doesn't even have that. I mean, Johnny Depp really
3: does capture the essence of a math teacher, I thought. I mean, he was just... Yeah. Oh, he, That's what was so wonderful about him. And then there's a moment, I don't know how late, in the, or maybe halfway through the film, where I wrote down, if he turns out to be the guy, I'm going to be so...
0: <laughs> well, but see, Dingus, you say that, but I don't... I, like, I, I love watching good actors swallow themselves and not do outgoing performances, um, like Billy Bob Thornton in Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, 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 what other examples? Um, uh, oh, Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day. Um, Sylvester Stallone in, in that, uh, that Deathland movie, Copland. Uh, I love watching actors play unassuming characters. And the, and right. especially when it's a big dynamic actor, that's so striking. But I didn't even think Johnny Depp was doing that here. Like, I.
3: But, but that well, worked. I you. liked him because when he when he shows up, he just looks so puffy faced, and especially ca- across the table from her soft, soft focus, radiant glow, he he looks sort of schlubby, and he is capturing this math teacher vibe and he's screwing around with calling her ravenous and 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 using spanish instead of italian and there's these little charming things he throws in that that seem charming like asking her if he can give her a compliment when she's told him not to ask her any more questions and that are are totally evaporated when you realize what what is the twist or what is supposed to be the twist all of those little charming moments evaporate because it's all it's all a hoax. None of it makes any sense. It's, it, I think it's a cheat and it's annoying. Um, but the, the, the only things I liked about it were, were what he was going for because I didn't like anything she was doing or how they were... I constantly felt that she was being worshipped and it wasn't working for me at all. But I liked what he was, how he was sort of stumbling through. And when I got this nagging suspicion that that wasn't going to be the case, I realized, oh, I'm going to end up hating this because everything I liked was going to be destroyed.
0: The, the the one moment in the movie that I would say, I think yeah, the only thing I liked that after the movie was over, the, the one thing that I would say I came away from thinking, okay, I, I like that one moment, is when she comes out of the room like dressed all nicely, and he's got his back to her, and he turns around and sees her for the
2: first time all made up. Do you guys remember what he says? She's always made up. But yeah, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> do you, do you notice? Know are you talking about when he says you're ravenous?
3: Before he says you're ravenous fuck yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
0: i love that 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 was the that's one good. moment in the movie where i was like okay that's good uh but your
2: ravenous th- is good too
0: you know what it's not because i all of those like dingus you said they worked for you for me they all seem just a little too precious and we're speaking yeah. spanish like it
2: but compared it, it felt to... a little
0: sitcom kind of so so those work for you as well kelly wand like you like that part of it
2: um, well, by the process of elimination.
3: <laughs> they are very much writing. You can very much feel the writers at work there yeah. being clever. Uh, but because, yeah. he, because of what he's doing, I I wanted to go along with him. The way he looks at her uh, when she walks up to the, um, to the veranda or the balcony or whatever, the way he looks at her. I mean, these are the things I don't like about how it's cheating, is that there, there's a genuine longing that, that he's capturing from the point of view of the character he's supposedly playing. And that's, that's honest. And you don't get any private moment where you don't see that, like when he goes and, and, and almost tests the doorknob. Those aren't the things of Alexander Pierce playing somebody. <laughs> that's him. That's, right. that's him playing a character to fool us, not to fool right. her or to fool surveillance or whoever. There are no private moments that aren't that math teacher. There's nothing. There's no, there's no hints of that. Yeah, and and that's just that's just cheating in, in my mind, it, and it's a little bit silly for me to say that because so much of the movie just falls apart that the call one thing cheating is really pretty lame,
2: Kelly Juan. Yeah, def- that dignifies it. That makes it seem like it, there are rules that it could be abiding by.
3: Right, right, right.
0: I was going to ask you to defend this movie, Kelly Juan. You're not up to it.
2: Um. Well, it made me appreciate Salt more too. She's better than that. Well, see,
0: I would go with that. At least Salt w- w- knew what it was. Like Salt was a comic booky action movie. I, I don't know what. I mean, I, I really, I guess this was supposed to be a Hitchcockian mistaken identity it's romantic not, were,
1: thriller
3: kind of thing.
2: But Hitchcock knew he was being funny, and this movie doesn't.
3: Well, oh, I don't. I'm not saying that no, it does. The movie does does try to to convince us that it knows it's being funny
2: sporadically. But then right. it wants to go, all right, come on, she's, come on, she looks pretty now. Please don't laugh at this part. She's being <laughs> yeah, very serious pretty in the scene. Please. He's,
3: yeah, he, the, the, the mole guy is drawing a knife across her lips. You should be really worried right now.
2: And like Thingus said, it's like, not that she looks that, I mean, I think she she looked okay. I mean, she looked better than this than she did in Wanted, but the way she's framed and the way she's just, like, standing in front of windows and, like, like Thingus said, like, smiling at no one. Smiling at us. She's, like, smiling at the camera a lot. Um, you, you remember thought...
0: that? Go ahead, Kelly. I'm sorry.
2: No, I was just gonna say. Uh, remember that movie Nick of Time, where Johnny Depp can reman? Yeah. Like an man yeah. Like yep. See that guy? I don't think he can play parts like that anymore. I think he's become this big movie star who has his own island, and he always has the same voice now. He has that Jack Sparrow kind of mumbly voice, like he had in this.
0: I, I every now and then, and I think it's just because I like Fear and Loathing so much. I every now and then hear his uh, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs>
2: That's his... Okay, you know what? That's his voice in this. He's only doing that
1: now.
2: You're
0: you're right, Kelly Wan. Nick of time is exactly what he should have been doing. Or, or, you know, the early, like, What's Eating Gilbert Grape days. Like, I just didn't get any sense for a real person here. Like, Dingus, I I hear that you liked some of what he was doing. But I thought this was a terrible performance. Uh, Just, uh, again, partly for the lack of chemistry. But also, I just didn't... I, I didn't find anything he was doing convincing.
2: Authentic. It turned out not to be. You can use the ending as an excuse to go, oh, see, but he wasn't that guy. That's why he was doing all the mugging the camera in the scenes where he's alone or something.
0: Uh, I feel so awful, too, for Donner's Mark, because I just. Don't feel sorry for rich people, Tom. Is he rich? Well, I don't know. He's he's a German director. He's uh, obviously like the.
1: And he's you know, above money.
0: The history of East Germany is near and dear to him. I mean, uh, and he comes over here and he gets saddled with this just soggy script and these superstar celebrity lead actors who don't seem the least bit interesting, interested in, in, in the project. And I just, uh, the guy is capable of, of such an amazing movie, as we, we know from lives of others. And this is how
2: Hollywood he's treats treated. it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. just, That's how they treat everybody what do you think... What are you surprised by? <laughs> this happens <to> <laughs> What do you Watch think... Watch Hanukkah. Hanukkah's going to make a... Uh, oh, Hanukkah. God. See, that's the thing. Hanukkah knows better. But
3: what do I think of what? Dingus, what were you going to ask? <laughs> Hanukkah knows better. I like that as a title. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm wondering what do you think really scuttles this for him. Uh, I mean, th- this project. Is it? Is it the writing that ultimately dooms it? In, in it? in that case, is it the actual story? Which, for me, doesn't make any sense, but I suppose you could make an entertaining film out of or is it having to, is it him coming into a situation and having to corral two people who really aren't actors anymore, who are, who are beyond human almost. And, and having to deal with these mega stars, is that what, is that what I you have think got out of control for him? Yeah, I have no idea, but
0: that's my guess, Dingus, is, is that when you are some, some guy who's got one really successful German movie under your belt and you come here and you're given a big project that, and I'm not surprised to hear it, that has been passed around from director to director. And finally, your number comes up because the other people who they wanted first bailed for whatever reason. Uh, I, I think you just sit back and you kind of do what you can to make sure it gets done. I don't, I don't get the sense that the, the director that there was any input from him really. Like it, this, yeah. it, it kind of had this made-for-TV feel. Like he, you know, he speaking, speaking he's, a robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like like we all know, like, Dingus, do you see any sign of what made Lives of Others special? And that that was such a uh, performance-centric movie, too, by the way. Uh, do, do you see any sign of that here?
3: No, I, I, just feel I, like I really he was... don't. Yeah, exactly. There, there are just, no I... small touches that make you feel that way, and no character touches. And so I can't help but feel that, as a
0: director, his input was just completely marginalized. Uh, and I think that's what happens when... You get leads like this. You know, I wonder a little bit, too, about a fellow named Oliver Hirschbagel, who did Downfall and Five Minutes of Heaven, um, comes to America, and he gets a Nicole Kidman sci-fi script, which is a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And at least Hirschbagel had, like, a cool twist he wanted to do with it. But I can't help but wonder, you know, did he have such a... Oh, and he had Daniel Craig, too, who was doing James Bond at that point.
2: What was the cool twist?
0: Uh, that
2: twist,
0: The cool twist, which w- which was all but edited out, was that if the pod people take over, there is no more war, <laughs> you know, that oh, the U.S. That's... pulls out of Iraq. There, there's this mm. idea that, that maybe the world would be, this sort of cynical idea, this post-Bush administration idea that maybe the world would be better off with pod people. I, I think that mm. was, was kind of the agenda that Hirsch Bagel had. And you can you can only see sort of a, a, a glimpse of that in in the final movie. But I think that's what he's going to make. And for whatever reason, the poor guy's input... I mean, you don't... You know, invasion is just so substandard. And, and yeah. uh, there, there's no touch in invasion of what made Downfall so amazing, of what made Five Minutes of Heaven so amazing. You know, none of that is an invasion. So I get the same feeling watching this, you know, having seen lives of others... And this is what the poor guy comes to America and does. I just hate
2: that. In Donner's Mark's defense, uh, <laughs> never underestimate the stupidity of the studios. These guys, the directors included, they are all treated like cattle. They get notes that make no sense from yeah, yeah. guys who don't know how to do. They can't make soup, and they, it comes on a daily basis, and they're just stuck. Like the, and then add to that what you're talking about. Add Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie. Like you're, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> But the well, tech was probably stupid.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, it makes, I think, to be a a, a director, I mean, you have, you have to have a certain amount of hubris and you have to be an a-hole. You know, you have to have this right. T. Anderson or David O. Russell kind of attitude, I think.
2: Or Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's every time. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you've you got to butt heads. Uh, you got to fight, I, I think, to, to really... If Obama had Aronofsky in him, <laughs> imagine how great the world would be right now. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> not uh. he like NC seventeen rating. <laughs> eh, fuck it, <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's out, done, and he wins. See, I don't know. But also, like Angelina. Okay, was usually supposed to be like a Scotland Yard operative who had training and fighting and guns? God, I don't something? know. She she didn't do anything. She never... No, I know. Like, and, and she can. Like, that seems like why you would cast her is because she loves exactly. doing action stuff and Wanted and Insult. Like, she does all these hardcore physical things. Yeah, yeah. And this was just like, she, they didn't want her to break a nail or something. She was so porcelain. But that, but that was almost what I liked before we find out that
3: she's, oh, she's, she's an agent um when she 's trying to steer the boat with her foot and she she beats the uh the russian guy with a with a life preserver uh, i i liked that she wasn 't this kick ass salt who could run up walls and and kick people before we can see that that she's she 's smacking this guy around with a life preserver i was I was feeling oh she 's a she 's a woman who's caught in this because of her lover, she doesn't have the training of salt, she's not magically powerful, and then it turns out she's an agent anyway and I just was ah! you know there's this wonderful moment where she's picking the the handcuffs and it's taking her so long to open the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really yeah, taking her so long because of the because of the length of the scene. It's not because it's hard for her, but he's asking her, "How do you know to do that? Why? Why do you know how to do that?" And and it felt like she she's not invincible but all of
2: these things are script contrivances yeah so the twist is she's a dumbass and he's not a dumbass right i don't i don't, know. I don't I can't
3: figure out why anybody does anything in this movie none of, I know. None of these things make any it. sense none of none of no. the things they do make any sense why does he go to all this trouble you I mean, know i would have... like i would like to try to fix the film and ask all these questions about the plot but i don't know why to bother cuz it's so
2: horrible it's like it's more hassle than faking his death would have been, which would have gotten, which would have solved all of his problems. But instead, he does all that. And <laughs> or just, say, and or just saying in the note, hey, I'm over here,
3: let's go. Instead of find somebody on the train who looks like me. Oh, you found me. How'd you do that? I
0: mean, it's yeah. a good thing, too, that that other dude had a chick with him.
3: You know, when she first sees the
0: dude she's going to pick... And the chick comes in and sits down. Right, Imagine right. how this movie would have gone if that woman hadn't sat down at that moment.
2: That was all part of Johnny Depp's plan. He knew that would happen. Ah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make sure the girlfriend comes back from the restroom right then. <laughs> now, I feel. But then w- he-
3: Go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say I feel worse. I guess the, the worst for Rufus Sewell.
0: Oh, poor, well, that, you know, that's the one thing that kept me guessing. And I was like, okay, yeah, so Rufus Sewell is the real Alexander Spears. They wouldn't just cast him. That's the thing, I guess, when you know actors, is the whole time I'm seeing Rufus Sewell thinking, yeah, that's going to be Alexander Spears. You know what? Actually, it wasn't until the movie wanted me to know the twist that I knew it. So, Dingus, I'm not nearly as insightful as as, as you are there. Because it didn't
2: make any sense. There was no foreshadowing of any kind that would make you go, "Well, he couldn't be the guy because that would be stupid," and none of this would make sense.
3: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah.
2: That's how they tricked you, Todd. You're geniuses.
3: Well, I was just dreading that moment, and then you watch him on the boat, the headquarters boat, where he's where he's clearly understanding the Russian, and he's and he's trying to beg them to go in. But he's not doing anything. He could stop all of this. And if he really loved her, he's he's put her in in imminent danger. He's put her in danger of being killed by this this guy who has murdered untold wives and lovers and all these people. He knows what this guy's capable of. And there's no fallout from this. There's no moment where where she says, you are such an ass. Why would I ever go off on a (laughs) cell phone with you? Right. And none of There's no... It's it's either a wacky comedy or we care about the guy slitting her throat. I don't. It's neither. It just sort of bleh,
2: floats. So out he in the tests of the her love by okay, find a stranger and get him to take the fall for you to prove you love me. Oh, you did it, but it was really me. Oh, I love you even more now. That works for me. I get it. I know. Sick
0: game. <laughs> uh, how did the scenery uh, work for you guys? Did it? Did it make you think Venice would be an awesome place to go?
3: One thing uh, I, I loved about this was that I, I had I had a pretty great audience watching it. They were, they were very warm to the film, um, including there there the were two guys sitting next to me who were who were obviously together and, and canoodling and, and cuddling together. And every time Angelina Jolie appeared on the screen, they would go ooh, like she was so gorgeous. But they would do the same thing whenever there was a shot, a long shot of Venice. Ooh, and they would point to, like, I saw them pointing when there was a long shot, and I was, those guys have been to Venice, and that, they're pointing to an area in Venice where they've been. But but her, their reaction to beautiful oh. shots of Venice and to her was exactly the same reaction. <laughs> so I started to see her as part of the scenery.
2: That's the target demographic.
3: And uh, you know, I liked all the canal stuff. I liked the boat stuff. That was fine.
2: We almost had a chase scene with that boat.
0: It, you know, it actually it was a, it was like a little bit of Jaws action there. You know, pulling the boat backwards.
2: That I almost got excited at that point. I almost was like, okay, yeah. Uh, Angelina Jolie's eyes like a doll's eye. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get it? Ah, you know. Oh, rats.
3: Yeah, we were so close. Oh.
0: Well, I, you know, this is terrible. I don't think we can do the podcast because I can't find the Britney Spears song. What? Just have Kelly. How Pan. is that
2: possible? Yeah, 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 I can find it on the <laughs> Internet.
0: Apparently. Kelly, Wan, say that about the doll's eyes again. Do that again.
2: Yeah, Angelina Jolie's eyes like a doll's eye. <laughs> No musical cue until I figure like out a what to do. Like a doll's eye, her like a doll's eye, her like a doll's eye,
1: doll's and you'll be joking. la, 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 la,
0: la, 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 la,
2: Listen to me, in this podcast is fun.
0: <laughs> I think I've broken the podcast. I don't know what happened to the Britney Spears. Uh, I will have to fix that. Are we even that? recording? Oh, you bet we're recording.
2: We got no, cut. That's too bad.
0: This 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 podcast is a is a raw feed. There's no post processing. Right? Let's do
2: a three a by racist. three.
3: Kelly Wand is a raw feed.
2: One two three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What kind uh, of lyrics are those? Three, three, One two three. three.
0: Kelly Wand, give us what is this week's three by three? What are we doing?
2: Well, I noticed you changed it. You I did? changed it. Well, I remember just saying, "Oh, three best dream sequences," and you guys go, "Yo, oh, okay, what's that mean?" Yeah, um, uh, stipulations. <laughs> That's I guess. You, you were doing your fear oh, and loathing. Geez, uh, I, it's my only voice I have now because I own my own island, and it's called Venice. Um, but seriously, Tom like, you. Tom, Tom asked uh, you about hallucinations, and you should have told him no. Oh, that's true. He did ask. All right, never mind. Okay, so
0: I did not make that up. So Kelly you did clear hallucinate. Yeah, Kelly Wan, you need to be, you, you need to like, yeah, you need to learn to say no, Kelly Wand. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what the heck was that? I think it was Who a basket case,
2: maybe. That? <laughs> that was pretty speech. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wand,
0: break it down, but what is it that we're doing for three by three?
2: Oh, three best dream sequences or hallucinations. If okay. you want to cheat. Okay.
0: Uh, Dingus, you are going first, or because you're introducing next week's three by three. What is the third best dream sequence or hallucination in a movie?
2: In a movie, by the way. Uh, the, yeah. I can't do Dallas. The entire run of Dallas is one of my choices. Just that Pam's dream, because Bobby came out of the shower. Ha ha! I knew what happened. <laughs> <laughs> So dream I can't pick shot, a TV yeah, show? So. It's it's movies? Uh-huh. Uh, TV movies about the Civil War count, according to some people. <laughs> hmm.
3: Alright, if I, I forgot about hallucinations until late late this afternoon, if I would have gotten... That's how it, they work, man! I would have picked something totally other for my number three, but, uh, but I'll talk about that later. My number three, here's a quote from my number three best dream sequence. Ready? Are you fellas ready for this? Rock and roll.
2: You got it. Hmm. I hate your quotes. They're never... Re- They're, uh, yeah, whatever it is, I haven't um, seen it. I don't think I've seen it, Kelly Wand. Because you, he... he uh, you guys are so predictable. <laughs> so right. want, he plays Why you your zone, so I never have a chance. Like, but you, if he's playing to my zone, he's,
0: he's doing a terrible job playing to my zone, because I obviously have not seen a movie where somebody has a dream
2: and then says, you got it. He'd I'd rather you not get if it you guys than just it. Googling, so you can get it from that, can't you? No, I was remembering an alt, a runner-up. Sorry, sorry for the. All moment. right, well here's a here's a longer
3: quote from from that. I <laughs> you thing. thought I was
2: googling, you got it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought you would. No, I don't care that much.
3: Here's <laughs> a longer quote from the, from the same sequence. Okay, uh, I just put that up as a joke. That's probably the hardest geometry geometry equation in the world.
2: Oh, Inception. Yeah. No, no. Uh, oh. I I knew you were going to pick this, but you went with number three. Hmm. Right. FD. I wouldn't be uh, surprised if,
3: if my number one is one that I share with you, Mr. Wand.
2: Hey,
0: You got this one, Kelly? I put it up as a yeah. joke. It's the hardest genre. Oh, that sounds familiar.
2: It's a great one. And it was just on. So Dingus cheated. Yeah, I haven't, just, I haven't seen yeah, it. Knowing him. What a dick. It was just on? Where? My TV. You weren't over here? <laughs> <laughs> there was a DVD and, and everything. It was weird. JK. Um... Should I just tell Tom? Do no, you do it. It's your thing. I'll be quiet.
3: It's the opening scene it. of of, uh, of my favorite film of all time, Rushmore. No. It's a dream?
0: Because that's the whole thing is I don't remember when in Rushmore. When is someone dreaming in Rushmore?
2: The I was opening, wrong,
3: but. The opening I scene is a serious. dream, and you don't know that. And usually I loathe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm. Interested to hear you guys talk about how you feel about dream sequences, because sometimes they really, really annoy me and when when they take place at the beginning of a film, they often annoy me and, because there 's a moment during it and much as what happens when you discover the twist of a film and you realize it 's going to ruin something that you liked about the film uh, when when you get that dawning suspicion that oh this is just a dream there 's sort of a feeling of dread that happens, but in the opening scene of Rushmore, which is uh, which is which opens in his geometry class with the teacher talking trying to teach, and some some guy saying, What's that problem over there for max is all max is dreaming all of this, that he is solving the hardest geometry program and the w- problem in the world and and making it so that none nobody in his class will ever have to take another math test in their lives. And so he becomes the hero of this class, and it's this perfect representation of his underachieving dreams of his of his belief that he can be a hero without really having to work at it, that he just has this innate ability to be a savior. And it's beautifully done where the music is running around and he's playing and he's standing there at the the chalkboard with his cup of tea while he solves the hardest geometry problem (laughs) in the world. And then he's woken up by the sounds of chapel where he's actually sleeping with his head lolled back on the pew and his mouth open and looking just disgusting as the, as the movie proper actually starts. I love
2: that dream sequence.
3: It
2: right. reveals character tells you all you need to know about Max Fisher Huntingus.:
3: Yep, yeah, That's what I'm going to say.
2: You learn more there than you do from the rest of the movie. In fact, they could have gotten rid of the rest of the movie. And that's Out what, what Dingus' real point is. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Right. Yeah. See. All right. In Rushmore is the number three best dream sequence according to Dingus
2: McCluskey uh, Tom sounds like he disagrees strongly with that choice. I like well, we've
0: it. talked about Rushmore before. It's one of my problems with Rushmore is a lot of it, it takes place in this weird. It's got this sense of heightened reality where he's like an underachiever and an overachiever, and I'm never really clear where the movie really exists.
2: Uh, what? You don't like Rushmore? No, I love yeah. Rushmore. I think Rushmore's awesome. What, uh, you have a problem with Rushmore? <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> it's no Royal yeah, involved.
0: is my only point.
2: Mm, apples and oranges, uh, mangoes and lingonberries. Okay,
0: well, some oh, of us like mangoes. <laughs> 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 uh,
2: okay, my number
0: three. Uh, it's a pretty long sequence. It's the first third of the movie. And for the longest time, It was the entirety of the movie. So this is a movie that was shot and it turned out that it wasn't long enough to be a feature film, but it was nowhere near short enough to just be a short, and it had a fair bit of star power in it. So the director is like, well, what are we going to do? So he makes it a dream sequence in what ends up being a three-part movie. The first third of Living in Oblivion,
2: Ah, good choice.
0: Uh, ...is is Steve Buscemi. He's the director of this movie, and the first third is his anxiety dream uh, on one of the, the the night before a day of, of tough shooting. Uh, and it, it wasn't, uh, like, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Like, as it's happening, it's just this great comedy about a low-budget, some people making a low-budget movie. Um and at the end, he has a breakdown where, you know, things keep going wrong. And the final thing that's going wrong on this is that there's this beeping coming from somewhere, ruining one of the shots. They can't figure out where it's coming from. Steve Buscemi just has a complete breakdown and says what he wants to say to each of the cast and crew members who he, he kind of who he loathes at that point. Uh, he, he speaks his mind to them. He says things he wouldn't dare say out loud to them uh, during this breakdown. And then it turns out that the beeping, which has been going on, is his alarm waking him up. And one of the cool things that, that, it's, that this does is that first third of Living in Oblivion is shot in black and white. Except for when they're showing through the camera the movie that they're filming, in which, at which point it's color. So it sets up this reality where reality is black and white, the movie is color. But then when Steve Buscemi wakes up and we get into the rest of, the, the, of Living in Oblivion, the other two thirds, that's actually in color. And oddly enough, what they are shooting that day is a David Lynch style dream sequence with Peter Dinklage as a dwarf holding an apple just doing <laughs> nonsense stuff. So, the first third of Living in Oblivion, dream sequence where Steve Buscemi wakes up and then shoots a, a dream sequence. Um,
2: Tom, have you ever dreamed of a dwarf? I
0: don't think I have.
2: Have you? See? No. That's what the guy points out in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, <laughs> that's Peter Dinklage's, that's his, his rant about dream sequences. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just so watched, I just rewatched the first third of that. Uh, and I, it, it, Catherine Keener is so good mm-hmm. in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. She's just, uh, like you, Kelly Wand, she's a national treasure. And Chloe mm-hmm. Morris. I think those are three people about whom I would say they're national treasures. Kelly Wand, mm-hmm. Chloe Morris, Catherine Keener.
2: Uh, so I'm the non-hot.
0: <laughs> you're the non-hot one yeah. Uh, actually Chloe Moritz is not old enough to be hot so Katherine Keener is the only hot national treasure we have uh, but in the first third of the movie you know, it, it's a joke, Like she's trying to give a performance in this really stupid scene where a woman is having a confrontation with her mother tearful confrontation and she does so many different levels of being bad or being disinterested and at one point she has to be really good with this stupid dialogue that you've watched several times when it goes wrong and she she just she blows that scene away. She's just one of these beautiful. But they're not filming it, right? Right. That's right? the joke is they're not filming it because the spoiled milk that sets up the scene was was drunk by their their director of photography, and he's throwing up in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> but but she is so emotionally naked in 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 that sequence, and in her good performances, uh, I just really like her. Um,
2: so that's Tom. You're sort of the Chad Palomino of this <laughs> podcast. <sauce. laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Gotcha. See what I did there. Uh,
0: I want to. Wow. S- there's a. There is a horrible. Uh, oh, I can't think of what it's called. It might be called something like an American Tale, an American Story. Uh, what is it?
2: American movie. Oh, about uh, the mouse.
0: Oh God! No! 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 <laughs> Geez, no. Uh, it's, it's this thing with Ellen Page. It's based on a real story of a, a young girl who was abused by her foster mother and the foster mother's children in Wisconsin or something. It's, it's just horrible torture porn, basically. But, but there's, a, there's a movie but it's about not
2: hard candy. candy.
0: Not hard candy. There, there's a movie about this with Ellen Page playing the, the victimized girl and Catherine Keener, playing the, the evil woman. And it was... It's, one of the reasons I hated watching that is because I just... I like Catherine Keener so much and seeing her playing this reprehensible character in this just, just horrible, tasteless movie was just really difficult. Um, what the heck was that called? Uh. Anyway, whatever it's called, don't watch it. So.
2: Wait, she's good at playing the bitches.
0: She's good at playing bitchy, but playing sadistic to a child is just really difficult to to watch. And... In, in, in no matter who's doing it, but watching someone who you really like, like Catherine Keener. Like, for instance, Kelly Wann, Catherine Keener in Your Friends and Neighbors is vicious. Yes. She eviscerates.
2: Not uh, with uh, Jason Patrick.
1: No,
0: ah, good wait, point. wait.
2: Who does she eviscerate? Uh,
0: her husband is... is isn't is she married He's to... He's
2: screwing around on her. She's well, the, well, well
0: every, that's, that's the point of that movie is everybody deserves eviscerating. But she is so vicious in that movie to him. Uh I mean, there's the thing about, you know, when we have sex, can we not, like, he's trying to talk during sex, and she basically tells him to shut up, you know, does everything have to be a monologue with you or something? Like, (laughs) she's got this great line. Oh, God.
2: (laughs) I love that movie.
0: It's a fantastic movie. Anyway, so Catherine Keener, National Treasure, my third favorite dream sequence, uh, the first third of of Living in Oblivion. So there you go. Mm.
2: Damn. All right, Kelly, one. Oh, nah, that... mine all suck compared to that. That's pretty good.
0: Well, that's only my number three. I got two more. Uh, some of which I think I'm going to overlap with you, Kelly Wand. If
2: not, Dingus. Nah, that's your best one, then. That's okay. pretty good. I like that movie. They should sequelize it. They have to make oh. a sequel oh. for. Uh, and it's like a Donner's Mark thing. It's like biggie bigger. <laughs> now it's Chad Palomino, and he's a, he's a mega star, and married Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Kathy Keener's playing herself. Never mind.
0: I love the gags with the eye patch in that. That stuff is so silly, but it just works so well. Yeah.
2: Wolf. Yeah. Tom yeah, <laughs> raises the eye patch to the tear. Aw. <laughs> sad. And even the supporting right. cast, by the way,
0: just real quick, the supporting cast in *Living in Oblivion* is so good. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just the names. All right, Kellyanne, what's your number three? Let's see you beat that.
2: There's also the sex dream that she has about Chad. The chick who breaks up with the wolf, the cinematographer. Does she have a drink? Yeah, ah, you know all their names.
0: Nerd. <laughs> well, she's someone who I've never, I don't know, <clears> since, but
2: she's <throat> good. She's really good in that. She's a Courtney Thorne Smith type. I don't think I know who she is. Oh, God. I hate you. <laughs> my um, dude, early Melrose? God. Uh, my number three, which looks, just looks embarrassing now after that epic radness is uh, Zapped uh, but because it has three different ones it has three dream sequences in it Zapped it's, does? Uh, yeah it can has... any movie sustain three separate dream sequences? <laughs> zapped sustains that and tons of <laughs> secondary characters that never have a payoff it's awesome is each act so, a dream sequence? Uh, well it depends on how you interpret it um, can you kick up each uh, is that your number one? We'll find out when we get there, won't we? I guess Alice in Wonderland is both a dream and a hallucination, and Tom's number two.
0: So which sequence from Zap, so that I can
2: credit <clears throat> well, it? Well, mm-hmm. in in ascending order of quality, I think it's the Star Trek ship going in the aquarium, then Heather Thomas taking her top off, because she doesn't really take it all the way off, or like, bump it up more, and then Scatman Crothers, of course, uh, baked from the pot fumes, dreaming about the salami shooting at him from his ex-wife.
0: Now, Kelly one we did three favorite, uh, like, instances of drug use, and that was one of your, you would pick the But scat- he falls asleep,
2: so it's still, it's, it's, it goes under both. Okay. I'll find no, a no, way I'm to not. I'm not timed, Joe. So don't worry. I, I know you will. I'm not. I'm not disqualified. <laughs> I'm just Best saying. hallucination had in a basement at a high school in sequence. Right, I'm just, which, which one
0: is your choice for this? I'm putting you down for the Star Trek ship in the aquarium, although I have no idea what that is.
2: Uh, mm, all right. Well, you
0: said in the order right. of money. didn't he choose I said that in order of the same Underwater. Did he use that for underwater moment? Oh, I think he did. Yeah, good point, Dingus. So the Scatman Crothers having salami shot at him is what you meant for the top one. All right. Scatman Crothers targeted by salami.
2: All right. Heather Thomas's boob is like a shark's boob, to paraphrase Robert Shaw. It's not even close.
1: <laughs>
2: one of those movies. All right. So I think it's all
0: the same. What is your number two? Let's see you top Scatman Crothers being shot at by salamis or whatever that is. A shark's just a water
2: blimp. Okay.
3: (laughs) Well, can I just choose a different sequence from Zapped? I think there are three of them, so we can each pick one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay, Nine total from Zapped. I might even be forgetting a couple.
3: Uh, Can I choose something from Rezapped? Isn't that what the sequel is called? Zapped
2: again. My mistake. My
3: mistake. I'm sorry.
2: It's no Teen Wolf 2, but it is Mannequin on the Move Prime.
3: Fantastic. All right, my number two. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna slide a
0: quote you guys the way. Awesome. That? I'm gonna get this one. I I feel bad for missing the first one, considering
3: how much I love Rushmore. But I think I, oh. I think I got this one. Well, good. I, yeah, I think you're gonna get this one. This is easy. I don't know where he came from or why. I don't know if he was a dream or a vision, but I feared that I myself had unleashed him.
2: What? I am number four. <laughs> <laughs> Is the he named Pazuzu. <laughs> that's the best title of a movie ever. I am number
3: four.
0: I don't think I know this one, because I haven't seen it. Yes, you have. I
1: don't you okay, think. that's your hint, Tom.
0: You still... Inception? I'm going to stop no. guessing. I'm going to stop guessing, or I'm going to ruin other people's picks. All
2: right, one more quote what? for you guys. Hopefully okay, yeah, get. Inception. Totally the ruins, Thanks so much.
3: He was especially hard on the little things, the helpless and the gentle creatures.
2: Oh, I know. Tom's dumb for not. getting I it. I know.
0: No, I got it. Oh yeah. Hmm. Okay. So what is a Kelly Warren, If you know, prove it. Barton Fink.
2: Oh wait a minute. No. Gotcha. <laughs> See, that's what you thought it was. <laughs> what a maroon. Is that true, dingus? What an ignoramus. No. no. Mm. But Kelly knows. Come on, just say Prime it. Prime wave. Oh, stop it. Urgh. Lowering Arizona. Right. So. Good. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. But wait, wait—it's not a dream, yeah. Yeah, it's is it? A dream? What are you talking about, Stingus? It's not a dream. This guy's what's a real it? dude.
3: Yeah, but he's dreaming about the guy. It's the dream. It's the dream of the lone biker of the apocalypse.
2: Mm, that's kidding? a prophecy. It's totally different. Prophecy. He's asleep.
3: He's asleep and having a prophecy. dream, and it's intercut with him sleeping. Stop it, goofball. <laughs> Are you sure that
0: this isn't the movie showing us this guy actually drawing near? Because doesn't this dude actually appear at the end? Yeah, of course he does, because Nicolas Cage grenades him. This dude actually appears at the end of the movie, so maybe it's not a dream. Maybe this is actually happening
3: somewhere. That's a good point. Can I revise and (laughs) use one of my zapped choices? (laughs) Uh, Why is this your number two, Dingus? Uh, I think the the production values in this dream are are top-notch. Hmm. um i i love all the 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 way the dream is cut with him sleeping and the and the sounds and the visuals in the dream are fantastic and uh, mine are going to i think be um less impactful than something like living in oblivion or maybe your other two but i just love the visuals in this the the fire going behind the motorcycle the the fire that he comes through the the, uh, the absurdity of the the animals being taken out the way the motorcycle flies through the air and then goes over the POV of the motorcycle goes over the car and over the toys and over the fountain and up the ladder it's this beautiful construction of of the nightmare of this guy who's coming for them and it turns out to be true and it is somewhat a prophecy but it's also a great dream sequence.
2: Would you call it lovely?
3: I wouldn't because I've been told not to use that word anymore Hi <laughs> Wendy.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Dingus, I want a table discussion of that for uh, a moment, if we may. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go on to my number two, and we'll get back to that, Dingus. Uh, my number two, I don't think necessarily is, is great anymore, but it had a huge impact on me as a kid. And it did, I think, a couple of, uh, well, not first, but it, you know what? This is certainly my first recollection of the dream within a dream trick. Where the dream is something terrible and scary, and then the dreamer wakes up, and oh, he's still in the dream, psych. And I remember oh. being so suckered by this as a kid in American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Uh, so it, it starts, and I, f- I found this. It's actually on Netflix uh, Instant Watch, and so I page through bits of it mainly to get to the uh, the dream sequence. But the, the dream sequence that John Landish sh- shoots, where he's infected with you know werewolf T cells or whatever it is. Uh, is is David Naughton imagining himself at home with his family watching, and I love this touch, watching the Muppet show, <laughs> and the Muppets, Kermit and Miss Piggy are watching. In turn, it's almost like this, you know, dream. It's a it's a it's a puppet show within a TV show within a dream within a movie. Kermit and Miss Picky are watching a, a Punch and Judy presentation of puppets beating on each other, and they're talking about violence and art, you know, and it, it's just one of those, those little cute uh, cultural bits. It's one of those cute little things that the Muppet show does, commenting on culture. Uh, you know, being really smarter than it needs to be. And so David Norton's family is watching this on The Muppet Show when uh, these, I don't know what they are, they're obviously just latex masks. It looks a little ridiculous. These guys in German stormtrooper outfits with submachine guns show up and gun down his family while holding a knife to his throat and then slit his throat, Um, and then he wakes up. And there he's in the hospital with the nurse, Jania Gutter, who we will shortly see naked. I also vividly remember that as a child. And she's Hell yeah. like, Oh, you had a bad dream? Well I have just a thing for you. And she goes to open the curtains to let the sun in. And one of the monsters leaps out and, and again it's just gruesome violence, just starts stabbing her, and there's this shot of her all bloodied in her nurse uh, outfit. Um But so I just remember that that uh and that's Wait
2: then he wakes up again and says the line exactly the same way. I just had a dream. Exact same delivery.
0: Right, but it's not a dream that time. Is it? Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go, oh, maybe he's that's, doing it again.
0: Right, right. It. Yeah, it, it puts you on edge. And I don't know if that was a trick then. Like, now we see that and we kind of expect that. Uh, like, I don't think that, that you you wake up and you're still in the dream. I, that That's an overdone trick. Uh, I
2: don't think Not with f- Muppets and Punch and Judy uh, meta. That's better exactly. than anything in an Inception. That makes Inception. Uh, like <laughs> you know what? You're right. A puppet show
0: within a TV show, within a drink, yeah. within a movie. That right just there. Friends. Is. Dishes. Yeah.
1: Is John <laughs> Landis.
0: <laughs> Take that, Nolan. <laughs> so that's my number two. Uh, and my number two.
2: So I'll save some time. Did you
0: really? You picked that one. Or are you just now yeah. picking it because I picked it?
2: Uh, for all the same reasons you said, like, it was the first, it was the first dream where I went, that's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> that was great dream. Like, that's how you do it. Because up till then, I mean, we were, I mean, like you said, we were kids when we saw that, and that was like the first horror movie version of that. And it was also cool, too, because it was part of the story. Like, it was, he was having these nightmares because he's turning into a werewolf. So right. the dreams get progressively weirder and sicker and more violent. But that one stood out with me, too, because the Muppets were in it, and it's yep. like... His family. The way it's shot. Ah, oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Damn. I get your list. It's too good. I Remember when John Landis was good? I know what. And then he. Did you see Beverly Hills Cop three ever? Uh, it's like the last Landis movie I can think of. Was there one after that? I don't know. What am I forgetting? I think... God. He went to. Sh- when did he jump the shark? What was the last good Landis? Because Animal House is a classic film. Did well, I went to the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. He did the one. Well, where he did ax- one. Yeah, he did one he did part. Over of it. Vic Vittamaro died, and then that maybe that was the shark show. That might as well was that. Yeah,
0: that'll screw anyone up. Is uh, yeah, get your actor beheaded. Um.
2: Was Into the Night good?
0: Yeah, with Michelle Pfeiffer, absolutely, and Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. No, 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 wait, wait, no. Is that, the, is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. yeah.
0: Hey, what's the one with Griffin that's Dunn in the ice cream truck and Rosanna Arquette? That's, that's, that's uh, After Hours. Yeah. And that's Scorsese. Good Lord, I can't believe I... Yeah. It's Griffin Dunn who screws me up because... it's no, they the, similar. He's, well, no, it's because he's the decomposing corpse over the course of American Werewolf in London. Right. But Into the Night and After Hours do have similar sounding titles.
2: And he had sex with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay-kay. James Cameron.
0: All right, so now we're down to our number number ones. So uh,
2: wait, did Nick, uh, Dingus did a sec- number
0: did. two was uh, uh, Lone Biker right. Apocalypse in Raising Arizona. Mm. Kelly, one you and I share one. Oh. so now we're down. Right, but we share
2: number one too. Really, I mean, my number okay. one is one of your ones because mine's pretty broad. Well, you're
0: going to find out when we get to me. But first, Dingus, give us a quote. Do you have one?
3: I have a quote for my number one. Indeed, I do. Awesome. What is it? All right, here he goes, and hopefully this will make you guys hate me. Um, this is no dream; this is really happening. I, 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 I figured he would pick it. No, it's got to be Inception.
2: Nope. No, oh, <laughs> wait, this isn't a Sorry, dream; it's really really I thought you were going to pick uh, Inception. This isn't a, it's really good. <laughs> No, he wouldn't do that. Uh, He's on you. He you. He liked it. He thought it was iconic.
0: We were the naysayers.
2: Wait, 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 hang on. What's the movie... For What's he doing? Think dingus for a minute, Tom. You're the smart one. I, the all I
0: can it. all I can see is Leonardo DiCaprio uh, with his finger in Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face. Saying this now, is, some girl
3: says it. It's a girl's line. That, that's, that's how girls talk. Is, is nice on Street? I like the word... I like the, the phrase, think dingus. I want t-shirts. Think dingus. <laughs>
2: dingus. It's labyrinth or never-ending story... It's, it's not a Nightmare in on Elm Street movie. Nope.
0: I don't know. I haven't seen it. I guess I haven't I like,
2: seen it. I like the idea that someone would say that in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> like the seventh one, they would go, hey, wait a minute. It's a dream. No, it's not. Like, they'd still have that debate. Like, audiences would still, yeah. I don't know. You see both sides. <laughs> uh shit. I haven't seen uh. it. I'm sorry I'm prolonging this at all.
3: That's all right. Kelly is right. It is a woman who says it.
2: Goonies. It's 80s. It's so 80s. Terror vision. Is it it Terror
3: vision? It is so not 80s. It's not
2: 80s? It's very 1968.
3: 1968? Wizard of Oz. Rosemary's Baby? It is Rosemary's Baby.
2: That's the only. See. What?
3: There's a dream sequence? Rosemary's Baby. I haven't seen that in forever. What's the dream sequence? Oh, it's so great. And, and I just watched it within the last couple of my, a few months, uh, first time I'd ever seen it. And the dream sequence is just—it's oh, it's brilliant the, the way uh, the way it happens. Do you guys even remember what I'm talking about?
2: There's a boat, right? Right, right. And there's it's, no sound or right. something. Or she there's the chanting, but it's like not—it's not. It's ambient because they're chanting in another room, right?
3: Right. And what's so beautiful about it is that it perfectly captures the that. That sense of what's real and what's what's really happening and what's not really happening that happens when you're dreaming and when you're asleep and when you're not sure what sounds I'm hearing are from the real world and what sounds I'm hearing are from my dream. And she's talking to her husband as she falls asleep. And the first image you see is this mattress floating on the ocean uh, or, or floating oh, in yeah. the water. And then she's on the boat and she's she's sort of inert up against this, this ladder as, as he's undressing her in bed and she's... Saying why are you taking it off? And I'm trying to make you comfortable. So she's talking as she gets these dream images, and 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 she floats through this dream as this these awful things are happening to her. And the way the audio, it, it, you know, Kelly's remembrance of what's going on in the audio is is really important for this. But I love the way this this dream sequence is handled for this awful thing that's happening to her, and how odd and disgusting. It is, and and also, uh, um, I'm not going to use the word lovely. I really can't do that anymore, can I? No, it's all right. No, I was just, it's just a, such a, it's such a, a beautiful representation of of how helpless and horrifying dreams can be, especially the, that element of of helplessness that you get when when you're dreaming you have to do something but you can't do it, and it, it perfectly plays up her vulnerability and and understands uh, how our concerns play into our dreams, how our concerns in the real world somehow get put into our dreams and, and become part of those situations. Um, so that, that dream sequence knocked me out. And in fact, when Kelly mentioned this category, I remembered uh, putting this category away for later after I saw Rosemary's Baby, think, just thinking, oh, this would be a great thing for later. Um, and so there was no doubt when he mentioned it that I would, I would bring it up.
2: Uh, I've mentioned in the past, I believe, that in the sequel, uh, the novelized sequel by the book guy, Ira Levin, of the book version, you find out that the whole first book was a dream, oh. so Rosemary's Dreaming Shine Out, oh. but pretend, but let's just, yeah, so fuck that guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, uh,
0: so I'm going to call that Mia Farrow Floating Through Dreams, in Rosemary's baby. Does that work, Dingus? What?
2: No, she's yeah. getting raped by a demon. Right. You should probably call it that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: how, how should I express... How do you want me to... So, write that,
2: Dingus? Demon rape? Well, by Satan. It's the devil. So... Satan rape? By Satan. And also, <laughs> Just, too... You to call, call it... A
3: boat dream and have people in the comments go, Boat dream? Is speaking that, speaking of faith,
0: well, I don't know how, is it is it a boat dream? Would you call it that? I don't know how to... Yeah, you
2: know, uh, it's a, a boat def- rape dream with the devil in it, like all mm-hmm. our dreams.
3: That's how it starts. And then the black captain says, you better go below,
2: miss. The then, devil represents her father. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, um, uh, Roman Polanski it may be a statutory rapist, but he did give us Rosemary's Baby, so, you know, it's a trade-off, right? Right. Yeah, great kill you. A good point. Thanks. thanks in that
0: one.
3: <laughs> All right, thanks for bringing down the room. Uh,
0: I'm going to go on to my number one. So uh, the reason the reason I wanted to table discussion about the the lone bike or the apocalypse is because the Cohen brothers are so good with dream sequences, uh, mm. and and I just kept thinking of so many great ones. But the one I have to keep coming back to, um, and I don't know if I should talk about the one that I also considered because I don't know what your number one is, Kelly Wan But I just keep coming back to Gutterballs and Big Lebowski. Yeah, uh, that is just. For, for one thing, one of the, one, a function that it serves in the movie is, uh, Jeff Gold uh, Jeff Goldblum, good lord, Je- uh, uh, Jeff Bridges, Bridges. character. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Shut up. Jeff Bridges character in that is just so, you watch him, you're like, who is this guy? You know, what is going on? He's so just, just odd and distinct and, and you don't really know what drives him. So this dream is an insight into his mind. Into like what, what what his anxieties are, what he cares about. It's like where you sort of realize, wow, he's really into Maud Lebowski. Um, you sort of see how preoccupied he is with bowling and, and sex, um, and 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 the the song and and Jeff Bridges' performance in it too, just in the dream sequence, just completely blissed out, like that look on his face when he's dancing and when he's sliding down the gutter between the girl's legs. Um, Just the whole and Mm -hmm. the Busby Berkeley of it. uh, It's just such this great insight into oh, that's what it looks like inside of that guy's head. Uh, Mm. You know, you find out he's been drugged. He's been drugged, and not only that, Kelly Wand, he's been drugged by Ben Gazzara. I think Mm. you're going to have an induced hallucination. Who Mm -hmm. better than Ben Gazzara?
2: Right to you.
0: Uh, but it's funny, that you know, you, you see this dream and you see the things that haunt him and that freak him out. And they're not, you know, Walter doesn't appear in it, the, John Goodman's character. Uh, it, it's not, you know, these are the things that really freak him out. Uh, and it, it's Maude Lebowski, it's Fears of Castration by the Nihilists. Uh,
2: it's Vikings. Vikings. <laughs> right. right. Uh, it's the movie he watched with the Nihilists in it. Yep, yep. Uh, and then, of course, the music in it
0: too—that that Kenny, not Kenny Long, it's Kenny Rogers' song, uh, <laughs>
2: which they stole for Faster, your favorite movie of two thousand. You no, know, it's
0: not stealing; it's an homage, and I'm fine with Buff. it. I, mm-hmm. You know, because that that song now makes me think of the uh, the Gutterball's dream sequence. So I'm okay with that being referenced in other movies. And if Billy Bob Thornton wants to shoot up heroin and invoke that scene when he goes into work as a cop on the edge, I'm fine with that.
2: Yeah, World War II is an homage to World War I, by that logic. It's a sequel. Oh.
3: <laughs> Tom, let me ask you this. How do you feel the dream sequence? I, I, I like what you're saying about how it informs the character. How do you feel the dream sequence in Lebowski fits into the tone of the film?
0: Well, it kind of doesn't, because it's like a big Busby Berkeley musical number. Uh, it, so it, it kind of doesn't. And that's okay, though I don't think it has to.
3: Well, that, that's the, the reason I ask that is because um, the the reason I lean toward raising Arizona's dream sequence instead of Big Lebowski, which I did consider, is because I think the the tone of the dream I'm talking about is very is is more about the tone of the film than about what's going on with the character. Sure, sure. And it and it, and it informs the tone of the film and supports it. And one of the things that was really difficult for me, and I've come to love Big Lebowski upon repeated viewings over the years, but when I first saw it, one of the things that was so difficult for me was how dissonant I felt that dream sequence was. Well, I, it's kind of like, you know, you pry the back off of a
0: watch and there's all these weird little gears in there. You know, right. oh, that's what's making it run. And it's not anything like you'd expect. I, I kind of like that about it. It's, oh, this is what's inside the dude's head, really? Uh, you know, he's, he's worried about Saddam Hussein not finding his shoes, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I love that dissonance. Uh, I love the idea that this guy is so weird and this, this is what's making him tick. This is what's inside his head. You know, Maude Lebowski, uh, uh, Julian Moore with with bowling ball armor cups over her breasts.
2: Mm. <laughs> you know? <that's... laughs> um, Take that, Altman uh, shortcuts.
0: <laughs> but the one, though, the, oh, I know what you're talking about, Kelly Wan. Uh, mm-hmm. The one, the I hope I'm not going to scoop you. Kelly Wan, did I steal your number one?
2: No. Okay. So now, here, I, now I hate
0: number one. Okay, well, here's, though, I, I think an example of what you're talking about, Dingus. This is a much briefer dream sequence in a Coen Brothers movie, but it's so powerful, and it's partly, you know, it's where the titular line is spoken. Uh, <laughs> but shut up. Uh, but the, the brief dream sequence in Serious Man, where, uh, oh, what's the guy? What's? The Psy. Name? Yeah, Psy, that's Psy right. Psy, Is It starts off being very plausible, you see him writing an equation on a blackboard, and then the camera pulls back, and it's ridiculously large, and something is not right, and then he dismisses the class. Uh, and it has that great line, too, uh, where the class is leaving. He's just written out on the board the uncertainty principle. And by the way, as far as an actor like having to learn a skill goes, watching uh, Michael, what's the guy's name? in Serious Man, someone help me. Stilbard? Yes, yes, yes. Watching Michael Stilbard writing the uh, the serious algebra on there. Like, it's one shot, the camera pulls back, it's totally him. You know, unless they did fancy CG stuff. He did a lot of crazy algebra, super fast, and with fluid, fluid movements. Like, he knew what it was.
2: Uh, and described it verbally. Too.
0: Exactly, as he's narrating it. Uh, so they pull back, and it's this outrageous... Uh, chalkboard full of equations, and he says, and so that's the uncertainty principle. And the class bell rings; people leave, the kids leave, and he says, "But even though you can't figure anything out, you will be responsible for it on the midterm." <laughs> 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 and that's such the point of the movie, in a way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I love that. And then he's confronted by Sai in the audience. In, in the audience, I say, I, uh, in the in the classroom after everybody's left, Sai is there, and they have a little uh, back and forth, and then Sai. Uh, sort of becomes his id And says, "I ah, fucked your wife And throws him against the billboard um, But as far as fitting in with the tone of the movie That not only fits in with the tone of the movie It explains the movie's central point And right. gives us the titular line <laughs> yeah.
3: that, that line you just said Also is how I feel every time I see a movie for this podcast mm-hmm. Except for the <laughs> midterm
2: part <'cause> There's nothing right. <laughs> at stake And no one's listening <laughs> Well, you guys are, and
3: you're the two people I care about.
2: Aw, oh, really? Really? You care, you care about me as much as Tom? Or even on a par?
3: As much as Tom cares about you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
0: All right, so uh, my number one was Gutterballs in Big Lebowski. Kelly one, I cannot wait to hear what your favorite. Now, all of mine, I think. You know, that's a hallucination, though, isn't it? Which one? I feel in, in Gutterball, the the in Big Lebowski, that whole Gutterball. Mm, he's,
2: he's unconscious, and I don't, three.
0: I don't think he's unconscious. They shoot him up, and they turn him loose on the, the streets of Malibu, where he gets picked up, and he's running. You know, he's running. Imagine he's running from the nihilists who are going to castrate him, and it flashes to him getting picked up by the Malibu cops. So it's technically a hallucination. I like how Dingus went all with dreams. I just, you know what, Kelly Wan? you suck at three by three. You're fired. Hmm.
2: <laughs> You sure like this list when I first said it. Now no,
0: you're... I like the list. I just feel bad now that I, I got two dreams man. In there, but I went with a hallucination. Uh, I think if yeah, that is a still at...
2: sequence. I don't know. I think
0: well, he's, yeah. he's definitely conscious, but it's lucid. Well, but he's it's definitely a waking dream. Well, uh, it's a it's a drug induced hallucination. He's conscious. It's a... I don't think it, they it's ever knocked sky. out. Uh,
2: mm, no, he's probably knocked out, and then but he's coming to gradually in the street in slow motion. <laughs> If you say so.
0: I'm going to uh, have to take that up with the Cohen brothers.
2: By the way, in that uh, serious man dream sequence, mm-hmm. when Simon starts banging his head against the blackboard, I go up oh, means he's going to be a werewolf because it's getting all violent. <laughs> <laughs> <is> the other <laughs> All right,
0: Kelly Wand, also, what's your number one dream sequence or hallucination? It can be a hallucination, Kelly Wand.
2: Also, just if Polanski drugged a girl. Ruth Gordon poisons Rosemary. One's the devil, and the other one is... is. In... Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say demon, but that makes more sense. My number one is uh, Brazil, because it's, it's the whole third act of the movie, and um, it's one of those... Uh, it's like what Tom just said, where you don't really know it's a dream at first, but as it goes on, you go... It's just like one of these movies where... Reality doesn't mean anything anymore, or is it a dream sequence?
0: Is it clear the, uh, as Dingus, I think, calls it, the splice point? Or maybe that was you, Kelly Wand. Is the splice point in Brazil clear?
2: Yeah, it's when Michael Palin gets shot in the head. That's the first splice. (laughs) The splice is a bullet piercing his mask, and then the guy wires come down. And then everything after that's a dream until he. Oh,
0: because he is be—he's there in the chair being tortured. That's right. That's
2: right. Right. Yeah. So he thinks he's being rescued. But remember the part with his mom and like Jessica Walters. That's no, no. Uh, oh, Catherine Helmond.
0: Oh, good lord! Who's Jessica Wal- Jessica Walters? Is rest of development? They're both similar types. Right. 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 You're right.
2: You're ra- You're a racist. <laughs> but we knew that. Um, so what's the part with uh, Catherine Helmond? Remember, okay, she keeps having plastic surgery. It keeps going wrong, worse and worse throughout the movie. And so in the dream, the the payoff to that gag is in the dream. Like, she's in the coffin, and then, like, all those body parts fall out. And apparently, and on the commentary, Terry Gilliam said it's, like, they didn't know what was in it, but it smelled really bad. Like, it was, like, real shit. I don't know. So it's, like, stuff, like, he found real-life things that could you could use in a nightmare sequence. Mm. So I think that's cool.
0: That's committed. That's, uh, yeah, it's very gillian. And
2: David Lynch, right? Like David Lynch found that cat in the tar for head. Never mind. My number one's Brazil because it's the end of the movie. I like that. <laughs> All right, runners up, ready? Sure. What do you got for us? Okay. I'm just going to say the names, and if you want elaboration or you, remember, you don't remember the dreams, say so. Future okay. World? Okay, Disinterest, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, Nick of Time, Wizard of Oz, Stir of Echoes, Fear and Loathing, The Fly, Cable Guy, Evil Dead 2, Aliens, American Werewolf again, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, The Thing with the Tongues, Dreamscape, Anchorman, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Golden Child, and Requiem for a Dream. What was the Cable Guy dream? Oh, remember where he thinks he's a Terminator? And then he pretends that he's uh, leaving in the hallway outside. He knocks and he goes, "Okay, I guess I'm leaving." And he like lowers his head slowly. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's Matthew dream- Roddick's dreaming. Yeah, he's dreaming this. He's dreaming that Jim Carrey, looking like a Terminator, is pretending to leave. <laughs> is pretending to walk down a hallway through his peephole, but he's really not. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, didn't it? He said peephole. <laughs>
3: Uh, I need to see Cable Guy again. I love that movie. And there's no dream in Wizard of Oz. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: No, the the part where she lives in Kansas. Oh, good point.
3: Because cause like in Living obli- in Oblivion, it's black and white. Aha. Uh,
0: I put uh, uh, the... So here's one. I don't think they're dreams or hallucinations. They're technically premonitions, but the set pieces that open the Final Destination movies are...
2: Right. No, what? no, Wait, what? no, why are you saying say no Psychic visions. that's what I just never...
0: said, what, what did I just say that you disagree with,
2: I wasn't listening, <laughs> the final destination, I knew you were wrong, because those are so not dreams, because A, they're real, tell me one, B, why, what, what, what did I just, the future. what, what, <laughs> that's nothing, that is so not a dream or hallucination, okay, sorry,
0: what did I just You're... say, what <laughs> that's exactly said. what I said yes. that they're not they're t- that,
2: that, is, that, that should remove them from contention for runners up even
0: though my <laughs> okay well there you go <laughs> okay, I guess that settles that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the as a I'd like to think that I am a Fellini snob and I don't think I am enough of one but I certainly know that you know the train scene from eight and a half that Woody Allen made fun of in Stardust Memories uh that's like a great sort of midlife crisis. Yeah. My life sucks. I should be in the other car. Like, that's, that's sort of an iconic image for me as far as dream sequences go.
2: Stardust Memories, too. That's a good runner-up. Right? Sure. Do you like that movie? It's Woody Allen. Oh, are you indulging me? Oh, yeah.
0: It's no Cassandra's dream. <laughs> Speaking of dream sequences. Uh, here's an important one. Because it gets cut out of the movie and it ruins the movie, but I think the unicorn in Blade Runner is huge. Yeah, it mm-hmm. needs to be in there. And uh, yeah, it's so annoying when it's not.
2: Do uh, androids dream of paper unicorns?
0: And it's such a you know it's such a it's a narrative it's a it's a plot point you know it's crucial yeah. to knowing what is going on in that freaking movie. Uh, so any any version of Blade Runner without the unicorn dream. Sequence is, uh, is automatically invalid. Hmm. Uh, so nobody wanted to pick. Uh,
2: oh, okay. What about? What about? Okay. The dream described by Tommy Lee Jones at the end of No Country for exactly
0: That's not a sequence. But as far as like the, if you hadn't said sequence, Kelly Wand. I would have picked Ed Tom's dream.
2: Uh, yeah. Hmm. Luckily, I said sequence, and we're not talking about it right now.
0: Okay, so here's one. Dingus, I want to clear this with you. Dingus, what do you think of musical numbers?
3: In general, because I, I almost I almost picked one for this actually. Uh what what did you almost pick? There's there's a a really cool uh but it's it's adapted for a film. So a, it was The Dream Ballet from West Side
2: Story. What? Oh boy! Wow! <laughs> wow! That's the ballet switched. from West yeah. Okay, that's that's. Uh, it's the it's the dream ballet. It
3: it tells the story of oh, forget it. This is you know
2: what? Switchblades dancing. Line. Don't, Officer Kripke. Uh, something. Kripke. I think Kripke. What about I had a
0: dream in Miserables?
2: And Malcolm X. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: uh, so, okay, I so I wasn't aware, on the cloud <laughs> I wasn't aware that there was an actual dream sequence musical number in West Side Story, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But I, I'm thinking specifically, this, this is a movie that plays with the format of musicals, and I't I don't, it's not a hallucination, it's not a dream it's kind of a fantasy, but I love the musical number in Dancer in the Dark, where Peter Stormari is offering to give her a ride home, and they're walking along a railroad track and she hears the train coming and she's like get out get out of the you know get off of the railroad cuz the train's going to hit you and she's not looking at him and he realizes that she cannot see him and he's like oh you can't see and she has this moment where she can share this with him you know she knows that he likes her she can share this with him and she imagines this fantastic musical number it's just so freaking heartbreaking this musical number where she's trying to convince him that she doesn't need to see, that she's seen everything she needs to see. And I just love that musical number. And it's sort of her fantasy of, you know, how can I, maybe I should open up to this guy. But then it cuts to the end, and she's like, no, no, I'm fine. And and she walks away, and she refuses his help. Um, But it's not a dream, it's not a hallucination, it's kind of a fantasy about what
1: it would be.
3: Well, that's the thing. I, I had to sort of think about things that weren't – there are a couple things that are fantasy sequences, like in High Fidelity when um, when oh, yes. he, he imagines he's beating up. <laughs> <Yes>. Th- that's <laughs> a fantasy sequence. That's not really a dream or a hallucination, but it's, it's a visual repre- representation of what's going on in his thoughts at that moment. Yeah. And, and so I disqualified those.
0: Or the kids escaping with a car at the end of Virgin Suicides is the other one that I thought of. Uh, it's, you know what? Those are audience hallucinations. How about that? Can I sell you on that? Yeah, <laughs> I think you can. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, are you going to buy that?
2: Uh, sure. <laughs> For a dollar.
3: So, my favorite. My favorite runner up <laughs> would have been uh, if I would have remembered to do hallucinations, it would have been uh, Empire Strikes Back. Just a uh, grief, Tom. What? what? What dream? It, That's when, not
2: a, Ben what? Kenobi?
3: No, no, no. no, when Luke uh, cuts off Vader's oh. head. When <laughs> Luke cuts off Vader's head, what on earth no, no, no.
2: That's the cave. He's having a mystical experience.
0: Oh, the uh, the training montage. Or the bit after, yeah, the Yoda cave. Whatever. <laughs> it's
3: such a great hallucination. And it had such an impact on me as a young lad. Uh yeah. So that would have been one I would have picked if I would have remembered Hallucinations. And I like Kelly Wand and his ridiculous long speed read phone book list uh that he that he threw in aliens, because that's another one I thought of. That's yeah. a, that's a that's a great uh gotcha dream sequence, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Was your did your crazy fast list, Kelly Wand, include Phantasm?
2: Uh no, but it should have. Because that had a. Couple... I mean, where do you start? I mean, is the whole movie a dream? Is the second movie a
0: dream? Well, didn't that also have a waking up out of a dream into a dream?
2: Yeah, but by then we'd already seen American Werewolf, so were like, uh, oh, foul tip. Wait a
0: minute, is that true? American Werewolf predated Phantasm?
2: No, it predated Phantasm 2, which did it more overtly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because in, in Phantasm 2, the tall man actually goes. They go, okay, don't worry, we're just dreaming. We're not going to die stupidly, right, in two seconds. And then the tall man opens the hearse. Uh, do, the line, do the line, line. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the preview, too. They give away the fucking ending in the preview. <laughs> Thanks, Phantasm. Even back then, Kelly
0: Wand, you should not have been watching trailers.
2: Well, it made me go see it, so I'm part would of have the seen it, anyway.
3: Also, just for awesome. sheer stupidity, I would have chosen the dream sequence for Fletch. Just to mess with you guys.
2: Oh, what's that? It's
3: it's Fletch imagining he's one of the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh. He's 6'4", six 6'9",
2: six with the afro.
0: A sports dream, really, Dingus?
2: Really. <laughs> Do those uh, things in uh, Bedazzled count as dreams? With uh, Brendan Fraser or Deadly Moore having on these dreams about...
0: Sorry, all I think when you say bedazzled Kellywan, I think of those little uh, sequin studs that you stick on a jacket. That's all I got.
2: Well, I know I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so good, I like that topic, Kellywan. Uh, oh, I now you like wish, it again? No, I like. I wish you'd made us stick to uh, to dreams. I think the more specific the topics are, the better. It's just me. Uh, but uh,
2: you wish I'd shown even less interest when you said hallucinations a week ago, according to you. I just we should did. keep them gone, whatever, even more than I did. I
0: just needed some clarity. I just need I need to know what the parameters are. Closure closure there
3: you go. closure
0: all right, dingus, what are we doing next, and is it broad, and can you make sure to open plenty of doors and windows
3: yeah it's best best use of breathing in a movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> Best performance from a non dead actor at the time of shooting. All
2: right. See, this has some good breathing in it. Damn. That's my number one. Oh. Uh, see? <laughs> All right. Taking that off I of can hair. make a three-by-three three out of your stupidest joke.
3: <laughs> that wouldn't be I, too hard. I dare you. <laughs> what would be hard would be finding my stupidest joke. Mm. Oh, there it is.
2: <laughs> right there.
3: Mission accomplished. Yeah. All right. Next week's three-by-three. Best uses of poetry spoken by a character in a movie oh speaking of swishy
2: you suck i was going to do this one this is the one i did the dream sequence instead of uses of poetry oh good lord yeah i know he's swishy but i was going to be swishy
0: wait so poetry written by well well, dingus go ahead what what do we
3: need to know he said said he said verbal best uses of poetry spoken by a character Mm -hmm. that's all you. i said
2: i meant spoken
3: Right. So it's not some weird like I'm reading voiceover. Movie. It's 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 spoken by the character. It can be written by the character, or he can be reciting it. Okay.
2: Do you have uh, anointing? Do specif- You
0: have to specify anything about what what qualifies as poetry.
3: Uh, yes. Uh, anything written be- by William Shakespeare. Hmm. I think we know what poetry is. Don't make me define
2: poetry.
0: Well, I'm just wondering, like, does it have to be, what if What if I pick something where the character is a poet?
3: What
2: about a psalm?
3: What about a limerick?
2: Yeah. Hey, diddle dee What about the leprechauns dialogue? Leprechaun, best uh...
3: instance where a character is speaking a poem. Okay. First. What's a
2: character? Or, is or reciting a robot? What about when C-3PO did the <laughs> Good point. third act? Be- the best instance where <laughs> Angelina
3: Jolie is reciting <laughs> a poem.
2: Ah. All right, That's kind of what she did, except for the poem part. Spoiler. <laughs> and reciting. Yeah. Anything yeah. need to be taken off the table? What inspired this, Dingus?
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything off the table. There's no need to do that.
2: Which small. table inspired this? All right, good.
3: Uh, Empire Strikes Back, because there's a moment where Yoda says... Oh, never mind.
2: Is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away a haiku? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so join us next week. Uh, our three by three will be uses of poet or best uses of poetry spoken by a character. We will be uh, maybe there will be something like that in Tron because we're going to be seeing Tron.
2: So, does virtual reality count as a dream?
0: Virtual reality can be poetic.
2: Is it all Jeff Bridges? Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian. God, I can never. Is this? Is it friend? It's like. Min- min- Zinsky, I think?
3: That's really close. It's Christian Morosky, and now I'm wishing I had taken something off the table and I forgot to. Too
2: bad.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute, what?
3: Oh, forget it. huh Huh.
0: All right, well, we'll find out next week. And also, uh, Kelly Wand.
2: Also, Fletch lives when Chevy Chase dreams he has slaves. for Christian Miroski's 3D glasses in this podcast provided by Dildor Electronics. Dildor, bringing you today, tomorrow,
3: forever.